Friends, we are still in the season of Epiphany, a season in which we watch together for increased revelations of who God is. We look for manifestations of divine love. We look for revelations of God's mercy here in this world. Like many of you, in recent days, I have been thinking a great deal about events that have taken place in our nation, and most especially the failed insurrection that took place in Washington, D.C. on Epiphany itself, January 6th. Like you, I have been following news sources, I have been reading and reflecting. So much could be said about this. So much is needed for us to uh, say together as a people of faith in response to events in our nation and the mob of domestic terrorists who attacked our national capital. There are many different things that could be said but today, I want to take some time to think together specifically about the ways that misinformation begins to spread. How does it happen that misinformation spreads? Is it through the narrowing of news sources? Does it happen when we rely on hearsay? Does it happen when we believe only the things that align with our own political leanings? Or when we look to social media as a reliable and trustworthy source of information? How does the spread of misinformation begin? And how can it end? With these heavy questions, weighing on us. Let's turn our attention now to the gospel passage for today. As we look to the gospel reading, we encounter Jesus as he was beginning to invite disciples to follow and to participate in the work that he was beginning to do. Jesus had already invited a couple of disciples to follow him in the verses that precede today's text. And then he approached Philip, and Philip in turn invited Nathanael to come and experience the work that Jesus was doing. Philip went and shared what he had learned about Jesus, that in Jesus he saw the fulfillment of Moses and the law, he saw one in whom the principles that the prophets had written about were embodied. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. If Nathaniel had his interest heightened at hearing a reference to Moses, if Nathaniel was impressed by the recommendation of the prophets, he was not impressed at the mention 
of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Was his response. That sounds like something that he perhaps had heard somewhere one time or many times before that. It seems to me that Nathaniel here might be echoing a phrase that had become common for him. <laughs> you know, those people from Nazareth, there's nothing good about them. Maybe Nathaniel had heard this over the dinner table as stories were told about the neighboring towns. No good Nazareth. Maybe Nathaniel had overheard this in the marketplace. People gathered and talked about where they were going and where they were not going. Well, we wouldn't go to Nazareth. Had he heard that misinformation repeated over and over again to the point where he had begun to repeat it himself? Of course, he did not know every single person in Nazareth. That would not have been possible. He probably had not even spent much time in that small town himself. But he repeated the misinformation that he had heard. Where did Nathaniel get this idea? Perhaps he got this idea from reading the scriptures. If Nathaniel was one who studied the scriptures, perhaps sitting with a group gathered under a fig tree, as they reflected together on these texts, if he had been studying the scriptures and looking for indications of how God might act in the world next and where one who embodied God's principles might come from, perhaps he was guided in his thinking about certain places and their value or in his mind, perhaps lack of value. Perhaps it was Nathaniel's own faith that led him to believe that he knew all that was needed to be known about the future work of God. The scriptures foretold many things that would happen in the future, but the little known town of Nazareth did not feature prominently in any of those prophecies. And so maybe it was a limited study of scripture that led to a sweeping statement. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Whatever it was, he took the misinformation as truth and then repeated it. Nazareth? How does the spread of misinformation begin? How can it end? Many of us watched with great concern the events in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. 
And while we may be horrified by those events, we should not be surprised. Years of violent rhetoric led to violence. Years of pandering to white supremacists emboldened them in their actions. Years of having a loose relationship with the truth and spreading false information led to a mob who believes in conspiracy theories, or many of whom believe in conspiracy theories, and many of whom refuse to believe the outcome of our national election. We may be horrified, but we should not be surprised. Mob violence has often been the response to any steps toward progress for disenfranchised communities. This particular mob, co-opting Christian symbols, blaring Christian music and carrying crosses, may have been unique in that it was encouraged by a sitting U.S. president who spread misinformation and continued to claim that the election was fraudulent despite volumes of evidence to the contrary. And so we as a church must go back to the very, very basics and affirm that our God is not a God of misinformation, deception, and lies. Our God is a God of truth and honesty and integrity. One of the Republicans who voted for the impeachment of the president was newly elected Representative Peter Meyer. And although he acknowledged that it may mean an end to his political career, Meyer voted to impeach on a charge of inciting insurrection because he felt that it was, quote, necessary for the good of the country to have accountability in this moment, but also to set a path to moving forward. Meyer's decision was particularly solidified after he was enraged that the president had continued to falsely suggest to his supporters, including at a rally just prior to the riot, that the election won by President-elect Joe Biden had been fraudulent and that they could somehow force Congress to change.
or refuse to accept the result. In fact, a recent Quinnipiac poll showed that only 60% of Americans believe that the Biden presidential victory was legitimate. Only 60% of Americans. That despite the fact that out of the 62 lawsuits filed by the president and his allies in state and federal courts, all lawsuits that were seeking to overturn the election results in the states that the president lost, 61 were defeated. 61 out of 62 lawsuits failed. And the one that did not fail was quite minor. A Pennsylvania judge ruled that voters could not go back and cure their ballots if they failed to provide proper identification three days after the election. That particular ruling only affected a few votes and did not change the outcome in Pennsylvania. On Monday, we will acknowledge the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And his words are still ringing true. Nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. How does the spread of misinformation begin? How does it end? In an opinion piece in the New York Times from January 12th, David Brooks looks at the ways that specifically the conservative branch of the Christian church is struggling with recent national events. I'd highly recommend this article, both with the question of how does misinformation spread and how does it end, with both of those questions in mind. Brooks writes words that apply to all of us. He writes, we have to be reminded that all truth is God's truth, that inquiry strengthens faith, that it is narcissistic self-idolatry to think you can create your own truth based on what you feel. All truth is God's truth. In this epiphany season of seeing the manifestation of God's truth incarnate, I think we can say amen to that. All truth is God's truth. I remember in one recent 
confirmation class from just a couple of years ago. The class members were asked to talk to relatives or teachers or friends or mentors and ask for one piece of advice, the best piece of advice that person could offer for how that confirmand might live their life. One confirmand spoke to his mother whose life advice for him went something like this. Pay attention to the facts, especially the ones that make you uncomfortable. In our gospel text for today, Nathaniel, who at first spread misinformation about whether or not anything good could come out of Nazareth or who called into question the the validity of Jesus because he was from the town of Nazareth, Nathaniel continued to engage with Jesus and had a moment of clarity, perhaps an epiphany of sorts. A moment in which he was able to see Jesus for who Jesus really is. And Nathaniel quickly used three names for Jesus that tell a great deal about him. He called him Rabbi, an honorary term that is appropriate for Jesus since he taught and debated and gathered disciples and reflected together with them. On the faith. Nathaniel called Jesus the Son of God, a term for one who has a close relationship with God, or even someone who is commissioned with a divine task. And Nathaniel called Jesus the King of Israel. In the Gospel of John, this is a positive term that refers to to the power and sovereignty of Jesus. And so as he continued to engage with Jesus, Nathaniel was brought to a place where he could see bits of truth, actual things about the identity of Jesus. Friends, in this season of Epiphany, with the story of the Magi still fresh in our minds, we know that there may be times when we, like the Magi, are at first misled. In our searching, we may find ourselves in the courts of Herod, looking for the Christ child, but instead going to the wrong place. Or people dear to us might be led there to the throne of capricious power, and they might linger there. If we find ourselves misled to a place of untruth, that is exactly the moment to insist on the pursuit of truth. That is the time to seek 
God's guidance. That is to t the time to check our sources, to state again that truth and facts matter, to recommit ourselves to honesty and integrity. Nathaniel, after first spreading misinformation or unfair bias, continued to engage with Jesus and was led instead to the truth of who Jesus is. So much so that he followed, became a disciple, perhaps referred to as Bartholomew in some of the other Gospels. Nathaniel followed, joined in Jesus' work of grace and truth. The good news is that our God is a God of truth. And we together as a people of faith can work to put effort into finding truth, to looking for God's guidance, turning away from Herod's palace until we find ourselves in the presence of the Christ child gathered together around the truth of who God is. Another word for us today from Dr. King. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumphant. And so friends, God will continue to reveal truth. God will call us to follow in Jesus' way. May we have the desire and the courage and the grace to follow Jesus' path. Amen.